But we are in that wonderful Christmas season, that time where we have some expectations about what is to come um, uh, and of the realities that are right now. And I don't know if the Christmas traditions have started for you. I don't know if you've already got trees put up or cookies being made or do you have some favorites of those? You know what I'm talking about. Those favorite Christmas carols, we've started to sing a few of them. Do you have those ones that they just kind of, they start to like pull you back in? Or the smells, right? Something's cooking in the kitchen that you just, that, 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 that particular cookie, that particular meal, that side dish that just sort of says Christmas to you. Do you have maybe even a favorite Christmas movie? We've had so many of those throughout the years. Um, do you have something that just kind of like is part of the holiday tradition to you? Uh, something that just sort of brings you back. Do you have sort of a favorite Christmas scripture verse? One that I think is a favorite through the ages um, is from Isaiah chapter 7. And it just says, uh, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Did you see in that one verse the gift of God? Did you see where it talks about a gift? Listen to it again. Verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you give a gift. He will give you a sign. The Lord gave us a gift in Jesus. Now, out of all the things God has to do on his plate every day, I think I'm pretty busy, but I don't, I'm not having to hold the universe together. I mean, out of all the things that God had to do throughout history, God gave a gift to humanity in Christ Jesus. When he gave humanity the sign of humanity's worth in God's sight. Not that we are worth anything in and of ourselves, but that God himself put upon us this moment in history of significance. A sign, this virgin that would conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Today we're looking at this incredible gift of God. Why do we give gifts? At Christmas time, right? We give gifts to remember the gift that God gave us in Jesus Christ. But sometimes we lose that. In fact, why does your family give, does your family give gifts? Now, some of you can maybe come from those big families where you only give gifts to certain fa other families because you have to pick and choose. And some of you give gifts to everybody. Some of you give gifts that are very elaborate. Uh, some of you give, I, I was talking to one of you this week, and you were talking about your family. It's like, yeah, my dad always spends this amount of money. We're supposed to just tell him something that would be in that range. <laughs> you know, there's this sort of thing. <clears throat> my wife, sometimes she didn't trust me early in our marriage. She's a little bit better now, but she would pick out her own gift. She's like, look what you got me, and she would wrap it up. She just want to make sure that um, I got it right. I, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, how we, it's how we were rolling for a while. Why do we give gifts? Sometimes we just give gift out of tradition, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's just, that's what we do in our family. Sadly, sometimes we give gifts out of obligation. Did you ever show up to the house that you realized that everybody else brought a gift and you were supposed to bring a gift and you're like, I don't have a gift, but I can sing you a song. That's not what they were, that, that's probably not, a, at least for me, it's not a gift. Yeah, but you know, it's the obligation. You were supposed to bring the gift. 
Sometimes I think we give gifts out of satisfaction for ourselves. Don't tell her. I don't think she's watching online. My mother-in-law, <clears throat> I've kind of figured her out. She loves to get something that's very practical. She wants to give something that you can use. She wants to get, so, you know, the pair of socks <laughs> that you need. And so I've always learned to just tell her what I need. You know, I need a new belt, actually. My belt was getting a little old. I, I can tell, because it's really about her. My mother-in-law is very practical. She wants something that you can use every day. It does, it's something that you would probably have bought for yourself, but, you know, let's just go ahead and save you the money by buying it for you. It's for, one year, she bought me a crock pot. I don't cook. I never cook. Now, I had ruined my wife's crock pot trying to cook something, and so what she thought was what a good gift would be to give me a gift that I could give to my wife to replace the crock pot that I had ruined. Oh, okay, okay, well, <clears throat> I think that was more about her feelings of satisfaction about what she would give. And some of you guys give gifts out of retaliation. I don't know if you have some of those kind of prank gift kind of exchanges. My wife and her sister do that a little bit. It's owls. You know those little owls that used to decorate the world in the 70s? For some reason, they will find old owl things, and it's, it's some kind of a crazy retaliation gift. I don't, I don't understand it, but that's what it is. But what are we supposed to give gifts for? We give gifts because it shows significance. It's a demonstration of worth. I put a picture up here today. Um, it's actually one that is significant. It's one that I kind of cherish. Um, it's, it's, you can't see it. I, for some reason, thought it would come better. I don't know if you can see it, but I'll put it up here. You can see it later. But it's a picture. It's a picture of actually Joseph um, holding the baby Jesus in the manger. It was done by a, a young lady. She was in a, a graduate school program for illustration. And so she did this picture, and, and we made them into little Christmas cards that we sold to raise money for the ministry. And she gave me the original. That was just really, I mean, th it, there's not another one like this out there. That's significant. She, I was part of, she and her young man that she was dating at the time, I did their marital counseling, I got to do their wedding. It was that significance in their life and their significant in ours. It was that partnership. It was significant. In that one little verse where we see the gift of God, did you see the significance? Did you see the significance? Let's look at verse 14 again. It says, the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Emmanuel. Now, those of you that maybe have done your Hebrew study, you've done your research, you know that in Hebrew, the word for virgin and young woman is the same. And in the context of Isaiah, it was actually speaking also about a young woman who would have a child, and that would be a, a sign during the, the conflict that the nation of Israel was going through at the time. But this is also about this miraculous birth this virgin birth. How do we know that? Because it's in the story. Look at what it says in verse 26 in Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to the town of Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a young man named Joseph, or just a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
It's very clear here that it was also about this virgin, Mary. And it's a familiar part of the story, the Christmas story. We read it every year. But I want to point out a few things to you. There's some significance there. First, God sent this angel Gabriel. Last week we saw that when Gabriel appeared to Zechariah to talk about John the Baptist's birth, that when he showed up there, um, and John the Baptist was like, or I mean, Zechariah kind of questioned, how can this be? I don't understand. And the angel said, you don't believe? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. This angel knew that he was significant in creation, that God had bestowed on him some special roles and the privilege of being in God's presence. This wasn't just any old run-of-the-mill angel. Are there run-of-the-mill angels? This is Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, and he showed up to Nazareth. Now, in biblical times, Nazareth was not seen as the, like, great city. It wasn't seen as, like, the best place to live. Nazareth was sort of like, you know, it's in Galilee where the Gentiles kind of live, and I, it's, it's not the best of the suburbs. I don't know what to compare it to. I don't want to say, well, it's kind of like the Carney or we live in Parkville. It's Parkville. It's not losing. In, in Texas, we always had the ones that, oh, you live in Ridgely. Oh, you live in the Hewlin area. Oh, you live. But then there's Burleson. Nobody wants to live in Burleson. Nazareth was kind of the Burleson. And all of a sudden, the angel of God shows up into this little town and begins to speak to this young woman about this incredible birth, that this child, uh, and says to Mary, and the scripture records Mary. Now, we all know that um, the story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, but do we realize that the fact that the scripture records her name is significant? It's not really essential for the story. We could have had an unnamed couple. But God put Mary's name. And in fact, we know of Mary that it says that when she begins to pray, uh, that she says, all the, the, the people of this will call me blessed. Do we realize that God knows your name? That you are significant. And in this story, as he points, and the virgin's name was Mary, that as Luke points that out to us, as God puts that in his word, he's reminding us that this story of Jesus is a real story with real people who had this significant role that God would choose this young woman who is in a pledge to be married. She's engaged. She's looking forward to her life. And as God interrupts and intersects that life, he has got purpose for her. But it's not just about his purpose. It's also about her. That God is granting Mary this moment of significance to have this role. The angel says in verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will receive and give, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. In this moment, 
God began to show significance. The significance of his plan, the significance of who Jesus would be, that he will be called great. He's going to be the son of the most high God. His kingdom is going to be forever. This is the fulfillment of all of the promises through the ages that God would bring a Messiah king, that God would bring one who would deliver us from our sins, that God would would fulfill his promise to bring forgiveness and new life and a kingdom that would never end, a kingdom that righteousness and justice and goodness and bringing humanity together would finally happen. This is all happening right now. Could you imagine being Mary? Wait, wait, today? (laughs) Wait, somehow I'm going to conceive, it's even bear a son. Wait, I'm going to be the mother of the son of God? I'm going to... Gabriel, could we back up for a little bit? Could you imagine, what would you say? How would you respond? In verse 34, Mary says, "Um, let me just bring up the first question. How can this be since I'm a virgin? How am I supposed to have this child here? How are you breaking through all of, of the norms of science and the norms of the way the world works to bring about this in my life? How can this miraculous thing be? And the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The significance of this moment. For you, where does God need to break through in your life? Where does the miraculous need to intersect with the ordinary? Where does the the power of God need to come in and make everything different? You see, Mary had a plan. Mary had a life. Mary had an idea. She was getting married. She was looking forward to raising a family. She was looking forward to regular, normal, every day. And all of a sudden, God intervenes in that moment to take it to a different level of significance, to take it to a level that what is ordinary, what is common, what is regular, what is Nazareth, what is getting ready for the future is infused with something significant, something miraculous, something of God's power. This Christmas, I've been really asking God in my life to bring about the miraculous in the everyday. Seeing my relationships that I've had for years, not as just normal, but how could God infuse them with power? I was visiting with with Samuel just before the service, and we were sharing a little bit, talking about this. And I, I shared a little bit about in my classes, I've had more students than I normally do, and you know, there's rules about what you can say about you know your faith and those kinds of things. I've had more students, and that means I've had a lot more students that needed makeup exams. Everybody seems to have a, (laughs) I think I might have COVID on the test days. Um, Miraculously, all the tests keep coming back negative. (laughs) So I've decided, well, if I'm going to have to spend extra time coming to meet with you to give you this extra exam, maybe we ought to have a little conversation. So I ask them about how they're doing, where they're from, what's going on. And every time, every time, this, they, something happened in the story that the, we were able to kind of get to God, religion, and Jesus. 
God, because it's a, it's a pain. I don't want to go give an extra. I, don't, I already gave that test. I've already graded that test. Now I'm having to do it again for you. I, but could God take that ordinary idea of a makeup exam and turn it into an opportunity for all of a sudden the gospel, the good news, the glory of Jesus to infect that moment, to infuse that moment with his power? Do you have some conversations coming up with some family members? Do you have some time spent at work? Do you have something going on at school? Do you have some moment when God can take the ordinary and give it a different level of significance, give it a different level of, of infusion with his power and his presence in his life? This is what God does to the ordinary. He makes it extraordinary. The promise of Christmas, the story of the good news of Jesus is a story about real events. A virgin who all of a sudden had a child in her womb. A young lady who had her ordinary life who became all of a sudden part of an extraordinary fulfillment of the promise of God. The story is meant not just to let us say thank you for Jesus, but to say thank you for Jesus' presence today. Thank you for the incarnation of the spirit and power of God into this child, but also thank you for the presence of God in our lives today. Still, I, I need to spend some time thinking about what this young lady, what this young man Joseph went through. That's what this picture kind of inspires me about. I sit here and think about a guy who was planning to get married, who all of a sudden finds out his future bride is pregnant, and it wasn't him. And God comes in the dream and says, don't be afraid, Joseph. It's all right. This is from God. And I'm like, okay. Wait, 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 what now? I'm supposed to be the father and raise God's child? Now, does he already know how to read, or do I have to teach him how to do that? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what all do you have to, how do I help Jesus? I think back up one slide. There, there's a song um, that you may or may not know. Um, it's pretty, pretty popular. It's been around since the 80s. I think some of the guys from the Gaither Band uh, originally kind of put this one together. But the, the questions it asks are, Mary, did you know all that Jesus would be? Did you know that this baby boy would, would someday just walk around giving sight to the blind? Mary, did you know that your baby would somehow have control over the weather and be able to calm the storm? Mary, did you know that this baby boy has walked where angels trod? And this line was the one that sort of got me this week. When you kiss the, your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. What would it be like to hold the Lord God in your arms? The one by whom and for whom the universe was made. Make sure you hold his head up correctly. <laughs> I mean, you really take care. Make sure you burp him appropriately. But when you're changing that diaper or the swaddling clothes or whatever, all of a sudden it was infused with significance. Those swaddling clothes, those strips of linen that wrapped around to keep that baby Jesus warm as he, in his birth. Have ever any cloths in all of history had such a significant role? 
robes that were adorned kings, curtains that adorned palaces, all, never had as much significance as those strips that wrapped that child. The feeding trough, the manger where Jesus was laid, has any couch or royal throne been as significant in all of history as that piece of wood that used to have hay that the donkeys and the cows ate from? Has any other pew or seat or chair been as significant as that piece of wood on that night? All of a sudden, the common, the everyday, the regular, the things that were discarded, the, 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 the manger that was made out of the leftover wood, all of a sudden became elevated to be the throne of the Lord God. That's us. That's us. When the Lord gives us that significance. We know that this baby Jesus, this young man Jesus, this child as he grew, he was emulated his parents. He learned from them. He submitted himself to them. In fact, in Luke chapter 2 at the end, of, in verse 51, it says, Then he, Jesus, went down to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And as Jesus grew and grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Do you treasure in your heart the incredible significance that God has filled your life with? That as you raise your children, you, like Mary and Joseph, are raising Someone that God has placed his worth upon that child, upon that son, upon that daughter. That his love for them was so great that God, the Almighty, sent his own son, Jesus, to a manger, to a Nazareth, to a Galilee, to a cross. To die for our sins to die for that neighbor, to die for that family member. You also, like Mary and Joseph, have this significant calling in your life. Sure, you're not holding the baby Jesus. Sure, you're, but Jesus said, whenever you've done this to the least of these, you've done it unto me. As we love our children, our neighbors, our family members, our coworkers, as we treat others with the significance that God has placed on them, I think we fulfill this calling of God. Okay, let's make this real for a second. Who do you not treat with significance? Are there people that you discount? Is it that waiter or waitress that was really, really late and when you got your food it was cold? Was it that person that you, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're having, you know, Amazon didn't get your delivery right or UPS or one of those places and you're on the phone trying to get it straightened out and are, are we not 
treating people with the significance that God has placed on our lives by sending his son into this ordinary, regular world, the heir of all creation, to show us our worth, to show us that God loves each and every person. Are you somehow denying that good news by how you're treating others? That's the one that gets me. I need to make sure that when I'm on the beltway, I'm treating everybody with the worth that God has placed on them, the respect and significance that God has given every human by sending his son, Jesus. But then there's one more, and I think it's you. Do you realize your own significance? Did you see it in the story? Did you see it in that one verse of scripture? Let's look back at Isaiah 7. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Verse 4 of Luke chapter 2 says, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and lineage of David. And when he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child, while they were there, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she wrapped and gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth. She placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. In this little town known as Bethlehem, this, the baby was born. The Savior was born. The King of all things, the one whose, whose kingdom would never end, was born in this little town of Bethlehem. If you've been doing the devotion readings with us uh, from the, the Christmas Code book, there was a, one that stood out to me this week. And it said this, let's become Bethlehem ourselves. We find in this little village a place of potential, providence, and privilege. The Lord longs for you to become Bethlehem in your own right. What is he referring to? What does he mean? He's not saying at all that the story is not real, that there wasn't an actual Bethlehem that's still there today, that there wasn't an actual day that a literal Savior was born who grew up, who went and died on the cross, who rose again three days later to pay for our sins and now is exalted forever in eternity until he comes back to get us all and take us to be with him forever. There is a real Jesus, but he has brought significance now and he, in that time in history we can see this also as the significance that Christ brings to us because he has also indwelled every believer with his Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says it this way, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, that God's Spirit dwells in your midst or he dwells in you? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know? Don't you know? Do you feel that significance in your life? That God has come to dwell with you. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. And you shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. There is not a moment in your day, there is not a time, a year, where God is not in us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he is God with us. 
One of my favorite songs for the Christmas season is, is the O oh, Holy Night. Sometimes because I can't ever hit that last note, you know, oh, night. Okay, I can't do it. And, you know, that really, I can't hit that. But I love the chorus that says, or the, the verse that says this. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. So long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears, and here's the line, and the soul felt its worth. I am convinced during these days that the world is crying out to hear this good news that God loves you, that you have worth, not because of your achievements, not because of your accomplishments, not because of your status, not because of how much money you've got in the bank or the career you've chosen. None of that matters. You have worth for one reason, because the God of the universe who owns all, the one who created you, loves you. He gave you a gift. He gave you a sign. The sign of Jesus. To show you once and for all that he loves you enough to die for your sins. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He's already given it. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will call him God with us. Emmanuel. Today, do you feel the worth that God has placed on you? Do you feel it? Are you showing that worth to others in every relationship this Christmas? Are you showing, and really all year long, are you showing everyone that they are significant because God loves them? And are you realizing Christ's presence with you every moment? of every day. Let's go out and live like the Christians were called to be.